Welcome to Idaho Speakeasy. I'm Mike Turner with Phil Mount, and we're on a mission to uncover and share the stories of Idaho's finest entrepreneurs, community leaders, local icons, and those who are impacting our community. Today in the Speakeasy, we have Rod Grammer. Rod is the president and CEO of Idaho Business for Education. IBE is a group of nearly 200 business leaders across the state who are committed to transforming forming Idaho's education system. Rob is here to tell us more about it. Welcome to the Speakeasy. Thanks, Mike. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay, so for those who haven't heard of this, can, tell us more about uh, what uh, this this organization, this, this business, Idaho Business for Education, what is, what is that all about? Well, we're committed to uh, helping set students up for success in school, work, and life, and to build the kind of workforce that our state needs for the 21st century. And we really need a more educated um, Idaho uh, to fill the many, many jobs that we're going to have over the next few years. And so IBE's existence is to try to do that. Okay. And so what, how did, how did this get started? I mean, what, what was, what led up to, what was the tipping point of what you guys said, okay, we're doing this? Well, several years ago, uh, some business leaders got together and they said, you know, we really need to improve this education in Idaho. And they said that, you know, there's no business group that's focused 100% on mm-hmm. education. And so they they formed I, IBE because with business support, uh, we could help implement legislation and investments in education that could lead to improvements. So I think the, the thought was that with business leadership, we have a real chance of improving education. I, I want to say right from the start, we are not educators. Educators are professionals. They know what they're doing. We are here to try to assist that and to get the policies and investments they need to uh, be more successful. So would you consider yourself then more of a public policy organization um, with advocacy and and trying to uh, promote stuff in the legislature and other government entities? Part of our role is that. Part of our role is to work with the governor and the legislature and the state board on policies and, and again, investments for education. But we do other things as well. We work with local educators. Uh, we also try to be the connective tissue between various stakeholders where, where we can connect people, connect efforts, uh, because we work with so many different groups, uh, we often say, oh, so-and-so is working on this project, let's connect you to them. Uh, We do that all the time, and then they connect with each other, and that enhances what they're working on. So we do various things to to further education. Okay. Terrific. Yeah. When, if our, oh, how would you um, evaluate or how, how are we doing in Idaho? What would you say to that as far as education? Well, we have a lot of work to do. I mean, we have many educational issues in our state. Um, you know, we're one of the states that, you know, we, are, we spend the second least per student uh, in the country on education. Um, uh, f- state funding for higher education has been, uh, as a percentage of support for higher ed, has been going down now for years and years Um, and we're one of only six states in the country that has no early education and uh, we still have half-day kindergarten that's voluntary uh, which is 
fairly unique in our country as well. So we really have issues. We don't have enough kids going on to post-secondary, which is essential now, because only about 20% of the jobs are going to be going to people with a high school di- diploma or less. And that's actually going to go down because of artificial intelligence and robotics and things. We can get into that. Mm. Uh, but Oxford University, for example, believes that uh, by the year 2030, uh, close to 50% of the jobs in the United States are at risk of elimination because of technology. And so, uh, and, and the ones that are going to go first are the ones at the lower end of the uh, pay scale. So, so um, we, have, we have lots of issues across, across the board in education. So what, what are your main initiatives right now, knowing that, you know, of, I mean, obviously there's, 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 there's a push that I see a lot for this pre, you know, preschool stuff, stuff before mm-hmm. kindergarten. Right. Um, what, what kind of stuff is your organization focused on in that realm? Are you guys, do you support education prior to kindergarten? And, you know, where, where do you think, what, in your opinion, what could we do be doing more there? Well, we are. We're huge supporters of early education or what some people call pre-K. Uh, we also call it school readiness. And here's why. That we know uh, that uh, only 50% or 50% of the kids that come into kindergarten are not ready to learn how to read. And that means they can't recognize 12 basic letters, colors, or sounds. And it's much higher than that, sometimes 70, 80, 90 percentile for low-income kids. And so when half the kids come in not ready to learn how to learn, you've got basically 50 percent of the kids that are ready. I, I compare it to a road race. You know, here's the starting line, and 50 percent of the kids are at the starting line, and they're ready to start running as soon as the gun goes off. you got 50 another 50% a mile back and so when the gun goes off they got to run a whole mile just to get to the starting line and the problem is many of those kids never ever ever catch up and they're the ones that are more likely to drop out of school end up on social services end up unemployed or underemployed and unfortunately in the correction system so we've got to help all kids get ready to learn when they come into kindergarten and that's why we need uh, Idaho's one of only six states that doesn't spend any money on getting kids ready for kindergarten and this isn't just about the kids who aren't ready because if you're a parent and you have a child in kindergarten and and half the class at least if not more are not ready to learn, it's gonna negatively impact your child as well. So we all have a stake in making sure these kids come in ready to learn. And the way education works is from kindergarten to third grade, kids learn how to read. And from fourth grade on, they're expected to read to learn. So if kids can't read proficiently by fourth grade, and unfortunately in Idaho, that's a lot of kids, those are the ones that are going to fail in school and then eventually fail in life. And so we've got a lot of work to do. So early education is one of our highest priorities, but it is also one of the most difficult issues to get approved uh, by the legislature. If it wasn't, we wouldn't be one of six states without it. Right. And I... I assume the main opposition to it is just like, well, we don't have enough ed- money to fund our current, you know, K through 12 and, and different things that, you know, they don't want to add to the more to the budget. Right? Well, there's there's smoke screens and then there's other things. Sure. I, I think um, uh, the fundamental problem is that many legislators believe this should be done in the home. 
Okay. And, and it's a parental responsibility. And we don't disagree with that. The problem is, is that in the Ozzie and Harriet world, parents stayed home. You didn't have two parents working. Uh, parents could help their kids get ready. But we don't live in the Aussie and Harriet world anymore. We live in this world now where we have many single parents. We have many parents that are working two or three jobs to help um, make ends meet. We've got parents who maybe don't even speak English. We've got all kinds of parents, and they're good people. Um, But a single uh, mom or dad who comes home after eight, nine hours of work uh, tries to get food on the table and stuff, you know, it's hard. So that's... You know, we have many kids that, that they don't have that opportunity. Families with financial means have their kids in intentional pre-K. And unfortunately, a lot of middle-class families and, and low-income families, they can't afford it. Their kids are out of the house, but they're just not in any intentional sort of uh, uh, learning to get ready for kindergarten. So we've got to help legislators understand that we've got to get these, we can't let these kids who don't have these advantages be the victims of, of not having those opportunities like other kids because you know we, we need as a society to have these kids ready to succeed in school work in life so that our state will will be a prosperous state down the road and so that is the i think the main issue is the cultural issue although some will say well we can't afford it the truth is we can um and it's just about choices right it's about how we want to spend our money and some say well you know we haven't fixed k through 12 yet so let's fix that first and then then we can do this but sounds like this is part of the fix though it, it is like, exactly part of the fix. Yeah. Very good. Um, wish you were in the legislature uh, <laughs> because th- that's where we're having some issues trying to make the connection between getting right. kids ready for kindergarten and success in K through 12. There is a direct link between that, the kids not being ready and the fact that they can't read proficiently at fourth grade. And so by this middle by middle school, we've lost those kids for all intents and purposes. It is interesting. I've seen a lot of these stats of about the 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 importance and the the you know, like if you're not by this grade level by this amount of time with, with reading or different levels, how it has all these impacts that can face that child for years to come decades to come into their adulthood and um it's uh it's really fascinating uh, and and i'm sure i'm not sure all the reasons why it's so impactful but it's just been seems to be study after study of study of showing the importance of of getting them getting them ready yeah. and so maybe because it maybe it, it it prevents that trend of them feeling like oh i'm I'm always behind and I'm not good enough or whatever it is that starts this trend of that, you know, them in a struggle where it's really so easy to overcome if it's a little bit of, of readiness education. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. If kids can't read proficiently by fourth grade, they can't learn. And so uh, they can't learn science. They can't le- learn social studies. They can't learn math. They can't learn anything if they can't read because everything it requires foundational reading. So what happens is they gradually fall behind, be fall behind, fall behind. So research shows those are the kids more likely to drop out, more likely to, to end up on social services. 
And unfortunately, many states project their prison population by fourth grade reading scores or third grade reading scores. And so because stats show that a lot of folks that end up incarceration um, are not proficient readers. And so it's a it's sort of a snowball that rolls down the hill. And there's a tremendous loss of opportunity and human potential for people who can't read proficiently by fourth grade. And think about, think about um, how more, how much richer our state would be, both in terms of quality of life and in terms of uh, prosperity economically and money saved on prison prisons if we got people to read by fourth grade we want you know we have to build a brand new prison at the cost of 500 million dollars we have to incarcerate people at more than twenty thousand dollars a year it costs us five thousand dollars on average to put a kid in uh, pre-k right so do we want to spend five thousand dollars now to save twenty plus thousand dollars later the return on investment is clear that it's better to spend the money now than to spend 20 some thousand dollars later. In fact, the former CEO of Macy says it's better to prepare kids than to repair kids. So basically, uh, that's what this is all about. And it's all about choices, but we'll save money. So do you see differences um, across, I'm thinking about demographics, right? Do you see differences uh, from cities to rural areas? Um, so how does the Treasure Valley compare with, say, central Idaho or, or other parts of the state? I feel that's a good question. You know, um, our educational challenges are not necessarily a rural-urban. Uh, we have pockets here in Boise, for example, where we have a high percentage of low-income kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people say to me, you know, what's the number one issue we face in education? And I say it's poverty. Uh, because if you look at any educational statistic, uh, poverty is the common denominator on lack of, of uh, um, outcomes. Mm-hmm. And so in Boise, we've got pockets of poverty where the scores are low. Uh, in rural areas, we've got a lot of poverty and the scores, scores are low. So it's not necessarily a urban-rural split, although one can look at a lot of the rural scores and and see that the scores are 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 typically lower and i think one of the reasons is because the kids uh, there are more kids in poverty Mm -hmm. and the other thing is they don't always have the educational advantages the kids in the urban areas do but well we have lots of uh issues in boise and and kudos to there are communities in Idaho that are not waiting for the legislature to act, and Caldwell is one of those. Idaho City is one of those. They've had pre-K for 16 years in Idaho City, of all places, wow. and their stats show the kids that were in pre-K, uh, that, that imp- they improve all throughout their educational thing. Boise, just in the last few years, has started these pilot programs in several low-income schools here in Boise, and they're seeing remarkable results Isn't as well. Is Whittier one of those? I think Whittier is. Uh, uh, I can't remember them all. I'll, yeah. I'll probably forget yeah, one. I'm thinking I, Whittier particularly because they've got a, a pretty heavy population of a, a, a diverse yeah. um, nationalities. Right, right, right. And so I think they've done a lot of programs to yeah. – to, 
But these these local programs are collaborative, what I call collaborative programs. The yeah. city's got a skin in the game. United Way does. Even businesses have contributed yeah. and others. They've kind of patched together their funding, uh, the Boise School District uh, as well. They've kind of come together to make this happen. But the problem is, is that we need the state to step up and help out. Yeah. You know, uh, the superintendent in Idaho City, I said, well, what would what would be the difference if if we could get some state support? Well, he said, well, first it would take part of the financial load off my citizens here up here mm-hmm. in the mountains. And the second is we could serve more kids. So the truth is we really got to have the state step up and, yeah. and, and do its business, which it should be doing to help these kids get ready for kindergarten. And uh, we've got legislation that we've, we'd like the legislature to consider, which is a state and local community partnership that I think has a lot of merit and, and can help us. Uh, it's not a universal program, that's the downside, but yeah. I think it's something that the legislature ultimately could endorse and, and support and it would help us move in the right direction. Yeah. We're speaking with Rod Grammer. He's the uh, president and CEO of Idaho Business for Education. Um, right. So, um, what about with with your organization? What about higher education? What are your What are you and your um, your other businesses that people are collaborating with you? Um, how do they feel Idaho's doing in the uh, after high school? You know, yeah. you know the higher education, um, and what what do you hope to help influence or change? Uh, Mike, that's a good question, and and so uh, let me just kind of mention why this is so important, and then we can kind of get into mm-hmm. higher education, if that's okay. Uh, research shows that we need at least 60% of our um, 25, 34-year-old workers to hold a post-secondary credential, and that doesn't have to be a four-year degree or, or two-year degree. It could even be a workforce-ready certificate, but we need, we need at least 60% of our workers to hold that because the jobs, that's where the jobs are going. In Idaho, only about 42% of our citizens hold any post-secondary credential, which means we have a huge gap. And some people think that we need up to 68% to hold a credential. So we've got a lot, this big gap. And so that is, that is our, our North Star goal, is to have 60% of our workers hold a post-secondary credential. So back to your question on higher ed. Our fundamental problem around, one of our fundamental problems around higher ed or post-secondary is that only 48% of our young graduates go on. Mm-hmm. And half of them drop out by the sophomore year. So the problem we've got, we don't have enough people going on. We don't do a good enough job retaining them in higher ed. And so we've got to do, we've got to get, we've got to convince more young people that they've got to go on because if they don't go on, they're going to be, we're going to have many, many young people competing for jobs that either don't exist or that it's going to be crowded. When you have 20% of the jobs going to high school grads, that's pretty crowded when you've got 50% or more to only have a high school diploma. So you can see where we've got to have more people go on. So we've got to get more to go on. We've got to get the universities and colleges to retain them more so they actually get a credential. The biggest travesty are young people that go 
get a bunch of debt and then drop out. They've got nothing to show for that except a, a pile of debt. So the other thing is we've got to make post-secondary more affordable. We've got to figure out a way to help more young people go on and afford it so that they don't have to go into debt. And states like Tennessee are really tackling that. Uh, four years ago, the Tennessee, it's got a Republican governor, Republican legislature, just like us. They passed a law called the Promise Act. In Tennessee, every high school graduate can go to two-year community college or technical school tuition-free. Every single one. Then two years later, they pass what they call the Tennessee Reconnect. And in, under that law, every working adult in the state who doesn't have a college degree can go back and finish tuition-free. So Tennessee's really taking this seriously in terms wow. of getting more people educated, more people ready for the workforce. And since then, about a dozen states have been in emulating Tennessee in various ways. And so we've got to make uh, higher education more affordable. But we also have to make it more accessible. We've got young people who live in, you know, Idaho is a very rural state. I mean, Chalice, Mackey, mm -hmm. I mean, all over the state, we've got, you know, very rural areas. We've got to take education to our people because we can't expect all of our people to come to Boise, Pocatello, Moscow, Lewiston, or wherever to get an education. Sure, a certain percentage will do that in a traditional way, but we've got to be able to take education to them, and that's going to be through online learning, digital. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we've been talking about is creating a digital campus so that uh, people all over Idaho and the smallest communities in Idaho can get uh, uh, part of their credits done online or maybe all of their credits done online. So we've got to take education to the people and we've got to make it uh, more affordable. Has there been any discussion about um, one of the models that um, I, I find that it's attractive and I've, I've seen in some other, more other countries and I've seen uh, in the United States, um, it, and I'm sure, but it could exist in, in some states, uh, is more of a getting more into uh, opportunities in the vocational or technical uh, aspects of higher education and and also leading with more uh, like apprenticeship type of style opportunities um, and I because I felt like I feel like in my opinion a lot of high you know this push for higher education is healthy and it's good um, but a lot of kids go because it, they're told to go they don't know what they're gonna do and they don't know what they, but meanwhile they're The technical and the uh, vocational styles of stuff, and basically more specialized, uh, you know, of uh, higher education opportunities uh, to really, like, hopefully, they sh shapes them up for being more job ready. Right. 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 And um, I, for me, you know, from being an employer, you know, and I employ people, it's like um, I, I'm caring less where they go to school. Um, and how much they've had, I'm more like, well, what are you able to do right now right. And, and interact and, and show up and all those things, right? Do you have a track record of being able to do that? Cause that, that would be really good. Yeah. Um, and, and so, um, and so I don't, I, I feel like, I don't know if you've seen any examples of this or if, 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 uh, um, if that's being discussed at all, because I, I'm, I feel like that's an area that could really use some you know, more attention. Right. You, you have hit on one of the biggest problems we've got, and that is there's this myth that we've created for our young people that they've got to go on and get a four-year college degree. 
And the problem with that is that many of our young people, especially in Idaho, don't want to do that uh, for one reason or another. And so what happens is they're sort of paralyzed. They see that, well, I don't want to go to college, and therefore I do nothing, which is absolutely the wrong thing to do because you've noticed that I don't necessarily use the word higher education, I use the word post-secondary. Because post-secondary is all-inclusive. It's workforce ready certificate, two-year associates, four-year, even a uh, medical degree. It's all-inclusive. If you think about somebody who becomes a plumber, they need those post-secondary training skills. Mm -hmm. That's education. Uh, Somebody wants to become a surgeon, that's education. It's just different kinds of education, but it's all education. So what we're doing, um, Mike and Phil, there's a big emphasis right now on what we call career technical education. And that is helping these young people find a pathway into some of these middle skill jobs um, that pay, frankly, they pay a lot of money and they're in high demand. Heck there, yeah, they are. There's, mm-hmm. uh, there's some jobs that you could graduate with a workforce ready certificate in a in a in either a community college or even from high school uh, with a post-secondary credential workforce ready pays sixty, eighty thousand dollars a year starting without overtime and with overtime is in six figures with a workforce ready certificate. Some of these jobs pay three times what the average wage uh, or twice the average wage of, of what a worker makes in Idaho. So you're you're right on and there's a huge emphasis right now. We're working on this with other stakeholders to create these pathways and create more career technical opportunities. Um, there's some really positive things going on in Idaho. Uh, go out to the Boise School District out on Victory Road sometime and look at the Dennis Technical the Dennis Center. Technical Center yeah. They are adding a huge brand new wing there is yeah going to be wonderful and up in up in uh, Lewiston um, Lewiston High School at their high school is a hundred years old and finally after four attempts the voters approved a new high school and it's going to be co-located with a new career technical uh, uh, school from Lewis Clark State College so the high school is going to have a strong career technical aspect and right across this walking path is going to be the brand new college uh, career technical center up in Coeur d'Alene K-Tech out on the Rathdrum Prairie yeah, K-Tech is an have you heard about it? yeah Absolutely. yeah it's an amazing place and the students spend part of the day in traditional high school then they go out to uh, K-Tech and they yeah. get some vocational well and and talk about you know a, a public private partnership right because that k-tech it's all about private employers right putting in state-of-the-art materials machines that learn on or whatever so they can train their workforce yep. so when they graduate from school they can just come right over yeah if you go out to DTAC here in Boise you'll notice in the welding area there's a big sign saying the you know this is sponsored by Norco exactly uh, yeah. an IBE member by the way and <laughs> and and so industry like up at KTEC they yeah. bought they donated the land and it's 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 a it's a and that kind of thing is going on all over the state of Idaho yeah doesn't get a lot of attention, but we are really emphasizing the fact that these kids, uh, they don't have to go to college, but they have to do something yeah. in post-secondary because otherwise they're not going to be have, uh, have a job, especially as we move into the, uh, the artificial intelligence and, and robotic world, which we're already in, but it's going to accelerate very fast over the next 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think we're going to have to restructure 
school as we know it in order to be able to adapt to that? Absolutely. Right. I mean, so our, our model, our education model, is based upon an agrarian society from 100 years ago, 150 years ago, right? Right. Take a summer break and whatever. Yeah. Uh, education has to respond and is responding where you know I, I think educators are trying to figure this out and they are responding we've got a lot of innovation going on across the state of Idaho I'll use one example up at Clark Clark Fork High School in northern Idaho the I think they're seniors they go to traditional school four days a week and on Fridays they go and they work in um, in, in local businesses. Right. So they, they some are working in natural resource management, some are working in the hospitality industry, but they're learning about these industries. It's a very innovative thing, and we've talked about K-Tech and what they're doing right. as well. But here's the thing, and we really haven't even started a conversation about that. Education now has to be lifelong learning. All of us have to understand that it's not one and done with uh, even a college degree that in this fast moving economy where technology is driving so many changes jobs you know you, you pull out your smartphone right now yeah. well 10 years ago this thing didn't even exist you know it didn't even exist and now we none of us can live without it right, right. and and there's all kinds of new jobs around that right, right. and yeah, yeah. So we, we can't even envision the jobs that are going to be created over the next 10 years So what we have to do as a state in a country is start looking at education as lifelong learning that that we regularly go back and retool so we've got to create the framework where it's effective mm -hmm. affordable accessible for all of our workers to go back and learn new skills and you know that's going to be a partnership between educators and employers and 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 the public sector because it's going to require some investment from the state and we've got to get into a mode where uh, everyone is constantly learning and retooling and preparing for the next step whatever that next step is because what we can't afford to do is leave people behind we just cannot afford to leave people behind and and without lifelong learning we're going to leave and that's that's at the root of a lot of our problems right now in the american economy think of all the people that are mad angry frustrated taking their anger out on other people because they've lost their jobs they can't find another job and so they're mad right and so what we can't do is is have more people join that rank of people we've got to have people learning so that they are always uh, employable and they have a good life and so all these issues are intertwined uh, that we've got here I really like this concept of lifelong learning I think it's something that uh you know, some people have figured out and, you know, on their own, that's a key to success. Um, but a lot of times, I think historically, uh, the, at least the mentalities is you go to school when you're young and then, you know, that's it, right? And then you go get a job and then that's, you know, and I, I like this concept. And, and also with this, um, this high school, he says having a, a day a week where students are going out into their community learning new skills, helping out other businesses, which helps, you know, improve the, you know, the local economy and, and every, it seems like a win-win. Yeah, uh, yeah. I really like that idea. And you know, what's kind of cool about this program up there is the seniors also vote 
on what industries they're interested in. So they have a say in where they go and work. Like, for example, uh, one of the things some students said, we're interested in art. So these these students actually go and spend time with artists, uh, learning the craft of art. And so I think that student voice where they actually have a say in what they're interested in studying and work-based learning is really, really a great thing. And um, But it's a cultural shift. And in Idaho, we have two major cultural shifts. The first is we've got to convince young people, and parents have to start playing a bigger role in this, that they're... They, they're kids have to go on past high school. It's just unacceptable that they stop. That's one cultural shift. The other cultural shift is this whole concept that it's not one and done. Yes, you get some skills, but you're going to have to continue to hone those skills, whether you're a doctor or a plumber or electrician. doesn't matter. You've got to keep retooling so you're you're competitive. And I'd like to also say that I see a lot of parents who are like, yes, you need to go on, you need to go on. Um, but um, I feel like part of that conversation is something that we've already spoke about, but is to informing parents who are, who have that message, who are trying to relate that to the kids, that it's not always the four-year program, right. right? Because one, maybe the parents can't afford it, and maybe that's why they're not talking about it, yeah. or or they're scared about how they might be able to afford it. Or and two, it's like there's a lot of other. I mean, when we, you know, I think we remember when we were kids. It's like you know, and, and you know, a grown up would ask you, "What do you want to do?" A lot of kids will say, once they get to a certain age, anyway, it's like, "Well, maybe a doctor or, a, or an attorney," because they know those were good paying jobs, right? right? Even though they may have no desire to do those skills, but everybody wants to have like. And, uh, you know, the idea of being successful um, financially so they can do the things they want to yeah. do. Um, but I think what's not talked about enough that how many different career paths, uh, different uh, industries and skill sets that they can learn that can uh, afford them not only a, a great living, but uh, maybe a lifestyle that they really, you know, uh, yeah. cherish. And uh, and. And for a while there, it just seemed like it was so narrow where it's like what the most coveted gut jobs were and how you could get, get them. And now it seems like the way education has evolved um, and has become more accessible in many ways. Um, like you can take courses from Harvard from your living room right. um, that it's uh, it's great in this opportunity as long as you or maybe are more aware of the different opportunities to go how to go on. Right, right. And, you know, we have, you know, parents have played a huge role in this. They see these CTE jobs as second-rate jobs or maybe dirty jobs. But the truth is, you know, CTE jobs, career technical jobs, are not your grandfather's career technical or vocational jobs. These are really good jobs. They pay a lot of money. They're in high demand. and, And it's a different world. And yet parents still don't quite understand that these are great jobs and they're plentiful and they pay really well. So therefore parents don't, oh, I don't want you to go get a career technical uh, uh, workforce certificate because you're better than that. Well, the truth is then they don't do anything and then they're really bad off, you know, they're um, so, so we need parents and research shows parents are the number one driver of what kids decide to do in post-secondary. So we need parents to step up to the plate and encourage their kids whatever the path is 
you know we need them to help their kids find a path where they're going to be employable for the future otherwise frankly the parents are not they're setting their kids up for a failure in life i do like at least the it's seemingly the, the role of your organization because it's like it's it's taking a large group of uh, the business community in Idaho and concerned citizens and trying to uh, come together to find a way to make improvements to the education system because it has, you know, it's so impactful to us, you know, not just our our children but our future workforce right. and our economy and so it, it feeds into everything right. and um and then of course the state of our world is that uh that technology keeps changing and uh and the, edu- the way we we learn and and work is keeps changing and so um so i want to get back into some of that um one of those things is we kind of touched on briefly earlier uh, was this idea of artificial uh, intelligence. Um, you even hear how I was listening to a recent interview with Jeff Bezos, um, the you know CEO of Amazon, and even he's like, yeah, AI is going to play a huge role. I mean, it's just like, warning, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, AI is going to have a yeah, huge... Elon Musk is having some interesting predictions as well, right? Yes, he is. He and, he and uh, Zuckerberg are uh, right. having a lot of good debates about the future of artificial intelligence. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Elon Musk is very concerned about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and rightfully so. And and let's talk about some of those concerns because some of those concerns may be like a huge reduction in our workforce. Yeah, you know, as I mentioned earlier in the program, you know, Oxford University as well as other researchers have said that uh, in the United States, uh, up to close to fifty percent of our jobs, forty-seven percent of our jobs are at risk of elimination by the year twenty thirty, and these are not just blue-collar jobs, although they may be the first ones to go, uh, lawyers, accountants, bankers, all these these different careers uh, could start um, disappearing. Now, not totally, you know, we'll always need lawyers, but, you know, you, you reduce the, the need. And let me give you a couple real-life examples, because we're already in this world. It's just a question of the acceleration. So a few years ago, Simplot had three potato processing plants across southern Idaho, and they employed several hundred people. And they closed those three plants across southern Idaho and opened one high-tech plant over in uh, Caldwell. Mm -hmm. Very, it's between Caldwell and Wilder. Very high-tech, very robotic. So where where they had several hundred people employed in those three potato processing plants, now they have about 280 people. And they actually produce more potatoes than they did in all three plants combined. But here's the rub, very few of those 800, 600, 800 uh, workers that had worked in the old plants were qualified to work in the new plant because it took higher level skills to work in this highly robotic plant. So, you know, those workers sort of got I'm not saying they got left behind, but they just didn't have the skills that matched mm-hmm. up. Uh, th- this is an interesting story. Up in northern Idaho, the Idaho Forest Group, uh, very prominent, uh, iconic, you know, forest industry, they actually hire uh, um, uh, uh, um, X-ray technicians in their sawmills. Now, you, you think x-ray technicians in a sawmill? But what they do is they have this high-tech equipment that does an x-ray of the logs, 
and the computer tells them exactly the most efficient way to cut the log. So they've got to have these x-ray technicians to, to, to do the programming and to know how to cut the logs. So, I mean, who would have ever thought, mm-hmm. you know, 30 years ago that we'd have x-ray technicians working in a sawmill. But we're, we're developing, um, you know, you think about uh, the robots in, in uh, Boston Dynamics, I think it's called. It's, yeah. yeah, they're developing. They're pretty darn scary videos coming out of Boston Dynamics right now. A- absolutely. <laughs> so you could imagine, you know, within 10 years, we go down to see these workspaces in downtown Boise where there's yeah. the crane and stuff. And instead of seeing a lot of workers, you see a lot of robots actually doing the physical labor right. uh, around on these construction sites. And it, we've already got it in manufacturing and everything. Um, you know, if you've gone to um, one of the, uh, I won't mention which, uh, which outlet it is in the airport, but you know, I used to stop on when I left on a business trip or something at this certain place to get a certain thing for the airplane. Well, you know, they'd have a cashier, they'd have several people working. Now you can insert your credit card in this kiosk. Uh, you can <clears throat> pick what you want and and they'll charge your credit card. And all you got to do is go to the end of the line and pick up your uh, mm-hmm. product, you know. So, you know, how many, you know, when that becomes common how many of those workers are going to be needed to do that anymore grocery stores you can check out yourself never really have to interface even with mcdonald's it's even got McDonald's. automated automated ordering and automated fry machines cooking machines right right, right. flipping a burger yeah. automatically right so so you can see you know oxford made the point that these higher level jobs that pay more are probably going to be the last to be uh, automated and probably the least at risk at least in the short term but those low-income jobs or middle low-income jobs are the ones that are going to go first. Well, think about Idaho. Mm-hmm. Think about our education level in Idaho. Think of how many kids don't have any post-secondary skills, and they're in all these jobs that you know could be eliminated. So what kind of state are we going to have if we don't prepare our young people for the jobs of the future? And that's why education is so important. And so there's... <laughs> I'm thinking of a whole bunch of institutional barriers, right, that we're going to have to push up against to to make that stuff happen, right? So first of all, it's coming from the State Board of Education, right? Um, and and I'm assuming you're talking to Sherry Abara and her team, our, uh, our what is it, Superintendent of Public Construction? Yeah, is Superintendent. That her? Yeah. That's her. That's her title, um, and she's the the lead educator in the state of Idaho. Um, and then we also have the the teachers and the teachers unions. Right, that are going to have a say in how how education evolves, and how we're going to train the the teachers to be able to teach these high tech skills, starting at the beginning. Right, um, maybe by fourth grade, you not only need to be able to read, you might be able to need to code. Right, right? Um, and so how do we how do we move those institutions um, who are going to have vested interest to vested interests in in changing well phil that's a really good question if i had the answer i'd be i'd be, <laughs> I'd be holding a nobel prize right now yeah. but uh i think we're all in this boat together yeah uh and no one should be out of the boat we all need to be in the boat and our institutional barriers we all share in that yeah. we've got i mentioned the legislature earlier yeah you know by golly we're one of six states without pre-K, and that's the foundation 
of all learning is to get kids proficient in reading by fourth grade. Mm -hmm. Legislature is a major barrier to that, right? Right. It's a major barrier. Sure it is. So uh, the legislature shares a role in it. you know, educators, uh, and I think we're in a transitional period, frankly, uh, where education is 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 transitioning to a new world. And I think the teachers that are coming out are much more adept at using technology, and they call it blended learning, where, you know, you have a teacher, but you also are using technology. And I think educators are starting to understand that the sage on the stage is is not the the pattern of the future teachers are going to be more coaches and facilitators and and uh learning is going to be you know the goal is to to learn we're moving toward mastery based education we've been doing a lot of really positive things in the last few years in idaho in some ways you know we're used to kind of lagging the rest of the country but in terms of mastery education in terms of dual credit education, we're actually leading the country in those things. Um, uh, So everything has to change. Uh, uh, Teachers have to learn how to not be sages on the stage. Um, Legislature has to understand that education's an investment Mm -hmm. and that we've got to pass policies like pre-K that make, help our young people be more successful. And so we all share the responsibility for whatever shortcomings we have right now. The business community, we've got to be engaged. We've got to create more apprenticeship opportunities and internship opportunities. We've got to better connect with teachers and students and and educators. A lot of this, Phil and Mike, comes down to leadership. I believe that leadership is the game changer. With great leadership at all levels of our society, from the legislature to the school district to the principal to the teacher in the classroom, uh, with great leadership, we can move mountains. Without great leadership, we will be stuck. And so we've got to make sure that everybody's in the boat, everybody knows that they've owned part of the uh, issue here, and everybody has a role in, in helping set our kids up for success in school, work, and life. It's no one entity's responsibility. Sure. And parents, 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 they gotta get more involved in their kids' education. They gotta see themselves as partners with the educators. They've got to make sure their young people understand that they've got to, to succeed in school. They've got to go on to post-secondary. Parents play maybe the most important role here. Sure. So we all have a responsibility and we do have a lot of barriers, but they're mainly self-created barriers. Yeah. Right, and so, I don't know if that answered your question, but so, I, well, I, think, I don't think there, there is an answer. To the yeah, question, I wish there right, was. Right, a, yeah. right. So, um, meanwhile, there's all the other institutions that are kind of trying to talk about the same things, right? The the Catherine Albertson Foundation, right. Joan Catherine Albertson Foundation, is a big, big one who are promoting more education. Are you working with them? Do you work? Yeah. I mean, we work with everybody. If okay. anybody wants to set the table, we work with them. And, and we work with the foundation, we work with the teachers, we work with the superintendents, yeah. uh, we work with the governor, we work with the legislature, uh, because we need to be at the table. Yeah. Everybody needs to be at the table and, and work on these things together. And it's through collaboration, 
cooperation, partnerships, and leadership that we're actually going to make uh, progress. When we try to do it on our own, or when we try to, you know, not be part of the solution, that's where we'll fail. So, yeah, we work with everybody, uh, foundation yeah. and others. Yeah, yeah great. Well, uh, that that's that's a great place to, to, to probably stop because we're almost out of time. But, uh, Rod, I want to thank you coming in. Um, it's been awesome having you here. Uh, it's been uh, a, a conversation that I hope um, not just – um, we have more often, but our listeners have more often because education is such a foundation of our community, and um, it's 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 really cool to see that there's organizations out there like like yours and others that are focused on saying, "All right, how do we how do we fix this?" You know, and then coming with approach of like, and we don't have all the answers. We got to all work together to right. to get there. Um, and uh, so it's been really a, a fun to have you here and learn, get your your insights and your point of view from what you're seeing from you know from the businesses that are in your organization and from the front lines of working on this really important issue. Well, thanks, Mike, and thanks, Phil, for having us today. Yeah. So uh, again, we've been speaking with the president and. C- and CEO of Idaho Business for Education, Rod Grammer. Um, to find out more information about the organization, you can go to idahobe.org. Uh, we will also be posting information on our website, idahospeakeasy.com, and posting, if you missed part of this interview, you want to catch it, we'll be putting it there over the next in the next couple weeks. So stay tuned for that. Um, but Rod, yes, again, one last shout out. Thanks for coming in. Thank you, Mike. Uh, super fun. This is one of my favorite topics to talk about. You know, usually Phil's got to like hear my bandwagon, you know, going <laughs> off of it. So it's fun to have you here because yeah. um, I, I, I think it's such an important conversation to have. Okay, folks, I'm Mike Turner with Phil Mount. And uh, you're listening to Idaho Speakeasy. Go to idahospeakeasy.com for more information. Take care. Bye bye, everybody.